The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry with Joe McGill. Good morning, how are you this morning? I'm Joe McGill and you're listening to the Saturday Supplement and I hope I find you well wherever you are listening to us around the world on RadioKerry.ie or on the traditional wireless 96 to 98 FM. Speaking about the wireless, this whole GAA Go controversy has me reminded of the time of, the, you know, the, when people be talking about the wet battery and the, the wireless or when the television first came to the house that you'd have everyone from around the village gathered. It'll be the same now. Uh, um, this afternoon, won't it, when we're looking at Kerry Tyrone, neighbours will be visiting neighbours trying to get on the GA Go and get these HDMI cables hooked up and everything else. Um, I must talk to my next guest about that because he's very technical and all that kind of thing. Um, very busy programme lined up for you. We are going to have a blast of Kerry, another episode. And in this episode, we're going to be speaking to the Quinlan brothers at Renard Point. What a successful business they have uh, built up over the years and um, taking it on from their father Michael and uh, I was at the factory in Renard and I spoke to them so that'll be in the next hour and we're also talking about a wonderful exhibition that's taking place in the Kenmare Butter Market but it is the first Saturday of the month so it's time to talk to Dominic Walsh from In Focus our monthly photography slot Dominic you're very welcome Will you be able to watch the game now this afternoon or you'll be listening to it on Radio Kerry anyway, no? Well, I will be listening to Radio Kerry and thank you very much for having me on this morning and also it's very good to be on this morning because I don't have to do the Rain Kerry cycle race either this morning now, do I? Yes. Going around this, so I'm on the radio so I can't be going on the cycle race and that. Um, you mentioned somebody, uh, something there about, uh, you know, the wireless and getting things and seeing things. I can actually remember my house, Joe, sorry listeners, we're digressing or I'm digressing here, but I can remember my house when I was young, we had no television. We didn't get television until I was about, oh, seven or eight, I'd say. Television came into our house. Do you remember it coming I, in? I can remember it coming in, yes, on that at that young age. Black and white? Black and white, yeah. yes. And you'd have to go up. You, I was the remote control <laughs> because I was the youngest. Go up yeah. and change. Now, there was no channels. You had only one channel. And you had to go along and turn the volume up or down like that, you know. And it finished at, at night. You heard the, the national anthem at night and television finished. But and very quickly... That's yeah. it, yeah. And very quickly, I can remember going to a neighbour's house and a load of friends and we looking in the window because they had a colour television. <laughs> and you could look in at the television and watch what was going on and see it in colour. And it was just mind-boggling yeah. at a young age to see that, you know. And it's amazing, like, when you just said that now this morning, just into my head like that and you're saying wires and people yeah. going to each other's houses like that, you know. You know, it is a pity. My own wife wants to watch the match today. Yeah. on that like and we're trying to get it organised and see how things go like that it's just very awkward yeah. I think so, it's very awkward so you'll have to listen to Ambrose and Tim this afternoon to bring it to life uh, for you um, as well yeah Dominic's after remind me there the Ring of Kerry cycle best of luck to everyone that's taking part and everyone that fundraised and uh, we had them on here on the programme the wonderful charities that are to benefit from uh, this as well so we wish all of them 
um, all the best uh, today and we hope you have great fun and I hope the saddle sores don't kick in uh, for any of you and if you're visiting this county you're all very welcome uh, to the county as well and I hope you enjoy your weekend here now Dominic as always you bring in photos that you've taken in the in recent times and then later on the programme we look at your archive photo and uh, we also then look at your photos that you've sent in to us from at home to Miguel at radiocarry.ie and you've to send them the Wednesday midday Wednesday before the first Saturday of the month we got an avalanche in here there's a lot of people in almost late with their homework and they said they've been uh, Dominic but we have got great ones but firstly to your uh, photo and um, this is an impressive one. A major deluge of rain in Tralee has caused significant flooding to the town with many shops closed in the town and Dunn stores uh, also damaged including the collapse of a roof uh, in Dunn's in the town centre. It's understood that the supermarket had to be evacuated as a result of the damage and uh, we all heard this and we all seen it on social media and that's I suppose the, the other side of social media you get to see all these kind of things happening almost in, in real time Dominic but uh, we have a wonderful picture here Dominic and there's a lady in front with a beautiful lilac anorak and her arms are outstretched and behind her is a man with a little brush and I don't know what he's doing with the brush because there's a river of water around them and there's another guy coming in from the side and he's using his arms for balance as well this is an unbelievable photo taken um, at a kind of an almost a bit of a devastating time the way it happened and how quickly it happened well it was unbelievable and you mentioned social media Joe that's where I got my information about where to go and to take the pictures because what happened when just first of all this was um, an afternoon the heavens opened they didn't really stop it just got worse and worse and worse and worse and the rain just came down and down I didn't go out while it was raining while it was while the rain was very heavy on that it was just too dangerous to go out and so you, you, you got to pick your battles and going out when the weather's too bad or if it's if you're endangering yourself or aquaplane in the car I tend to stay back and wait like, like you know, this works out better for me so I just waited till it finished and I went off out and I was able to know my points because with social media and where to go so um, I went to Dunn Stores on that I went to Strand Road which is where I live there, up there and I also went up to Mitrewell on that I had another lo- few locations on my radar to go to but when I went to the other locations to go to the water was gone on that no sooner had it arrived than it was gone but what I did was went up to Mitrewell you can see along the distance people should go onto the Radio Kerry Facebook page there and have a look at yeah, it yeah and on the website on the website and you can look along what I did was take the photo to make it a little bit more dramatic I haunch down very, very, very low. I'm almost sitting in the water and I'm down because I've got the shadows of the people coming along the water. The water was very still, so it acted like a mirror. But people were going out for some reason with, with their hands out. Do you know, and the gentleman behind them with the brush, like, he's not going to do the whole lot the brush. But it's nice to know that you do want to do something <laughs> with the brush like that. But um, it just worked out well. Just to let people know how I took it, the shutter speed was 1,250 of a second because I had my lens on 200 mil, which was the furthest away, and you want to keep your lens still. On that, ISO was 500 on that. And I had my focus on manual lock. I use it a lot. In other words, I lock into the focus and then I take it on that. But particularly enough, I did actually use flash 
that day. Now, I would use, sometimes I use flash, sometimes I don't flash. The fl- I was so far away, the flash wouldn't have really worked, mm. but I was only using the flash to attract their attention. Okay. So when I was flashing, they could see the flash in the distance and they were, oh, we can see the flash there. Yeah. So that was my main reason for using the flash. Sometimes you use it to fill in light, yeah. but other times you'd use it to attract people's That's attention. A clever trick, So yeah. that was a little trick that I yeah. used on that. And it's as a picture, you can see them, it's bone dry, it's like something <laughs> dramatic, but it just it works as a picture. Yeah. And did you just go out and do that of your own accord or was that a professional job, if you know what I mean? It was a professional job. Yeah. Um, but do you have to be kind of ready for something like that? Is your brain kicked in when you see something like, I notice now, you know, making documentaries, when someone tells you a story, you're thinking, that could be a documentary. You know, you're thinking from a different angle or perspective. So your perspective would be different to the normal person as well in that you'd be thinking, oh, that that there's a photo in that or you know that, that that it's something to be captured always always I'm always thinking like that and would you, and if I have to be honest I was asleep when I got the first phone call in I was actually working all morning in the studio doing studio shots all morning and I was resting in the afternoon dozed off from the chair and the phone kept ringing and ringing and ringing and then I went out and looked at it and then I had a load of phone calls and people were sending in uh, pictures that they were getting on, on, on the web or on social media they were coming into me and that's how I, and straight away I just went into mode like that got on it picked my locations on that because the one thing you don't want to do is if, if you get a situation like that where you have to go like I, my kit is always ready it's, it's in my office it's up on the table and it's literally it's like a grab bag you yeah. call it so when I grab everything comes with me my camera gear my um, my laptop everything so if I have to go someplace in a hurry I've, I can actually wire from there on it's that. like the baby bag for the hospital like you're the ready baby to go. bag for the hospital <laughs> I have to go So and, and then it's not to get into the car and drive as fast as you can to place do a little bit of research first think what you're doing think what you have to bring wellies and things like that but the one thing you have to be so so careful about when you go to these situations is manhole covers can rise on that and when I was coming down from my own home there was a flood on the road it wasn't too it wasn't a big flood but what happened I could see the water come up the middle of the road and I knew the manhole cover had popped so I stayed away from that with my car and it's something people should be aware of when they're going to these floods where you're driving, walking, whatever manhole covers can lift and you can get quite injured Yeah, very good Now the other photo you send in to us a change is coming as the clouds drift over West Kerry local West Kerry farmers tending to sheep and lambs on the Connor Pass mountain located just outside Dingle in West Kerry looking out over the Maharese and again this is a very dramatic photo for a different reason because it's just a dramatic landscape the views are spectacular and you see all the sheep gathered together there well this was something I was actually I was doing a job back at Dingle for Dingle uh, Aquarium Dingle Oceanmore back to Kevin Fenn I was doing a job this was on my way home so I'd finished the job and I was coming back and going down to the pass and I spotted all the sheep congregating up there. I didn't know what they were doing first, but you can see in the picture that there's uh, far- farmers there and I'd say they're, they're either um, dousing the sheep or dosing the sheep or whatever like that. But you can barely see um, in the back right-hand corner of it there, um, you can see um, where the farmers are working on the and, sheep. And they have the sheep box, so they were loading they them. They were lo- loading either loading well. in or yeah, loading out, yeah. but those, she- those sheep are corralled into an area and yeah. that's... And the news, it was it wasn't a great day to take pictures, and 
as I say to people, don't let that put you off taking pictures. It was a very bad day. There was a horrible sky, you know. It was dark, you know. So what I did was I took the picture, but I converted it to black and white. Mm. And when you when you change to different colour and black and white, it can become quite dramatic mm. because the mind is not looking at the colours anymore. It's now looking at shapes mm. and shades. It's, it's, it's trying to picture something. And your mind will always try and picture something it'll recognise, whether it'll be if you look at the clouds, your mind always tends to come up with a face. Mm. Do you know? So, like, th- that's how I worked on this, and that's why I worked on black and white on that. The speed was a thousand of a second. ISO 500, um, ISO, that's the amount of light that, go- that goes in. The lens I used was a 2470 lens. So I was in very close, as wide as possible, to get as much of the sky and as much of the sheep and possible like that. But, you know, I nearly broke my neck going up the wall because I got up on the wall and of course like I uh, I should be thinking and minding myself going up on the wall but what happens when I get up on the wall um, you should approach sheep a little bit more slowly whereas I'm up on the wall with a camera and, and I'm rushing towards them so this sheep are flying all over the place like that. so I had to slow it down calm down a bit and walk in and that's me going I actually have my hands stretched out in front of me as far as I can to try and get as, get as close as I could but then when I was going away they didn't care about me at all Yeah, very good and they're black and white kind of sheep as well they're Scotch breed I'd say so they have the black and white faces so that actually works very well with the photo as well Dominic, two great photos and we look forward to looking at your archive uh, very shortly but after the break we're going to be looking at your photos that you sent in to us this month the Saturday supplement on Radio Kerry brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly Hogan's Funeral Home Tralee now, so I hope you're enjoying the programme. Dominic Walsh is with us for our monthly In Focus photography slot. And we're looking at your photos that you send in to us this month. And it was, summer is here. Summer has arrived, I think, Dominic, is what it was. That was the theme. And we give you a theme every month. And uh, let's get straight into it. Sheila Quirk has sent us in some lovely photos. Hi, John Dominic. Hope you're having a wonderful Saturday. See attached my three photos taken with my phone on a recent trip to Clarney, Ross Castle, Innisfallen Island. Sheila Quirk, Castle Gregory, and um, Dominic. These are these are nice photos, but it, it says resized on them, and I think that they kind of maybe got compressed. But the one of Ross Castle there is just absolutely stunning, and it kind of follows the rules you were talking about as well, and lines and things like that. Yeah, it's on the third rules. On that, you can see the sky in the top. You've got the castle in the middle, and you've got the foreground. Again, um, I think we actually spoke about this last month about sending pictures. Sending pictures to WhatsApp isn't the best way to do them. Like, it's okay from phone to phone to phone, but what you're as well out to is if you're sending out the pictures, send the original picture via email. And as I say, always work on your picture, but keep your original picture to hand. Yeah. Like if you want to work on anything like that, always work on the original. Like when I do my work, I always keep my originals and the pictures I might uh, work on the lighting or slightly work on the colour and things like that, I tend to use them then for syndication, sending out like that. But that's a great picture. I like it. And I think the fact really, it's a square, but I probably would have changed that to an upright. Mm. You know, like bring it in a little bit and get a bit more shape because there's, it's just, I would call that a loose picture mm. on that. So tighten up a bit, just tie it up a bit and make a great picture. Do you know what I just came into my head there is I was at an event in um, Valinch Island um, and it was organised by Paddy and Fiona de Bush um, in the slate quarry, way in on the inside. 
um, Valerie, your colleague, was there yes, yeah. um, uh, taking photos and um, it was fairly dark inside there so I was trying to get a few photos but I didn't want to overdo because I was there to enjoy the experience because it was pipers in the cave, it was beautiful, the sound was unbelievable but um, there is kind of a setting on the iPhone now where you know it, it goes into kind of night mode but you really have to hold your hand steady and hold it for a long time, it's like taking a video but it works, it takes a nice um, it photo does, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, It works quite well on that, again that's you controlling the light as opposed to having your camera on automatic or your phone yes. on automatic where the phone tries to take let's say it just works in the light that's there and it's, it's not a great way of doing it right let's get into some more photos James Nealon and he has titled this where did the summer or where did the winter go it's summer and this is when summer arrived all of a sudden and the hares are up on their haunches and they're looking around um Great to get a photo of here is that close, isn't it? Or has he zoomed in? Or am I, I missing? He must have zoomed in. I, mm. They're great pictures because, like, like I've rabbits in my own gun. I mean, lots of rabbits. Yeah. They're all over. Are they hares or rabbits? No, they're probably rabbits, you're right. I, I think the hare would have a longer ear, wouldn't I, it? I, yeah. I think they're probably hares. I mm. know because I know the rabbits actually stand like that. Yeah. Or they're a bit lower to the ground. Yeah. They, they seem quite big looking there. But yeah. I'm sure by the end of the program, people will be in contact with us and telling them what yeah. they are like that, you know. But they're great pictures. And the thing about it is, um, he's kind of worked his, his charm a little bit. Like he's, he's got one eye of them and he's kind of shot into the scrub and in, into all the grass around like that. And it makes it a more interesting picture as opposed to first picture when you're just standing there thinking outside the box and getting a picture yeah hair is um, the, that's the logo of the Waterford Golf Links I used to caddy there and you'd see the hair is the whole time and of course they don't burrow so they're not the enemy of the golf course yeah. it's the rabbits that burrow and they, they make all the, 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 the holes and the Americans used to be blown away by the hares because they're so big compared to a rabbit and they'd be like what is that it's a jackrabbit what, what kind of a thing is it and I'd be explaining oh it's a hare and talking about it but they'd, they'd never they'd never seen it it was just they, they were amazed by it but if you ever see the march here you know and they're, yeah. they're playing and they're running around it's like the lambs it is yes it's amazing they're full of see. life and yeah, jumping yeah, there and all yeah. like that what better way to enjoy a lovely summer's day at the Ballyduff June Horse Fair with having an ice cool lollipop and that comes in from Moss Joe Brown and Moss actually said there's a TikTok version of this and it had that song My My Lollipop or whatever it's called uh, which was hilarious uh, they look like little chalk ices to me and uh, the two men are enjoying them anyway and cooling down with their ponies it's lovely actually it's a great picture great picture Moss you've got to watch that that skyline as we say even though it isn't the skyline I'll just get a little bit straighter like that you know, on that so great picture the two boys and the thing is, it's a natural picture. That's what he's seen and that's what he's getting. There's no setting up or anything like that to scram the two boys. Great picture. So you're just saying it's a bit tilted. And just a little yeah, bit yeah, tilted, he, yeah. Yeah, I love Moss Joe's uh, uh, photos. Great They're stuff. always excellent. Um, right, so that's Moss Joe Brown. Hi, Joe. I haven't sent any photos for a while, so I said I would rectify that this month. Good man, Noel O'Neill. First one is Long Exposure Vista from Clutter Head, Kionshraha, uh, west of Dingle, in County Kerry, obviously. All six of the main Blasket Islands showing full separation taken from the upper slopes of Mount Eagle last week. This is the only location I know of where from where you can see each island is clearly separated from each other without using a drone. And the third photo, Wild Garden of Bluebells in Camp Tralee, and uh, taken in May 2023. And that comes in from Noel O'Neill. And before we talk about the photos, I, do you know, Dominic, I've never been 
to the Blaskets and it's something I would love to do. Have you ever been out there? I've been out there regularly. I go yeah. on the boat regularly if I go out there to the Blaskets. It's absolutely beautiful. You're out there and what we do is we go to Blaskets and we bring a lunch with us. Oh, it's nice. only a small little tiny boat I have. You go out and you sit down. And it's a yacht and don't be, don't be trying to undersell it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish. And, I go and what's it like? It's lovely. Yeah. You go off and you sit down, you throw the anchor down and relax there. And before you know it, you're, you're having to, and the seals will start swimming around you and swimming. They're, they're quite cute. have you been on them? Oh, yes, yeah. I've yeah. been on them. I've walked them and everything like that, you know. Yeah. On that, they're absolutely lovely to go on. On that, there's a lot of boat trips out there. It's, an, it's a lovely day out if you want a boat trip yeah. to go out. The next time you're going now, let me know. I don't we'll know. Go out. Would I bring you? You'll be giving out to me. You might be seasick over the side. <laughs> I, w- I want some I, help I me. beg your pardon. <laughs> I have great sea legs <laughs> raised by the sea. Um, yeah, so that's it. Thanks for that, uh, Dominic. I'll uh, join you there. We might bring the recorder and see what we talk about what we, we could see. Do. We could do an in focus on the Blasket we Islands. Could, yes, yeah. Wouldn't that be lovely? Um, now, next, uh, oh, sorry, the, them wonderful photos by um, Noel. The first one is absolutely spectacular, I think, um, that vista. Clutter head, is it? Um, uh, it's absolutely wonderful. And what I was asking you, this off air, the, the, the way the waves, they're kind of like, it's like bits of cream in the, in the water. And how was that done? And I think you talked about this last month as we well, did, didn't you? Yeah. It's a slow shutter speed camera, possibly on a tripod. Slow shutter speed, you can do, you can do get a step down filter in it, which, which is like a dark filter that goes in front of the camera. Or you can just go down to very low ISO and close your aperture down to maybe 20 and bring it down to maybe maybe a second or if not more, and you'll get that slow. It just gives an unusual effect. In other words, everything that moves is blurred and everything is stationary stays sharp. Yeah, and I love the, the photo of the Blaskets. It's just uh, spectacular. I haven't seen angles of, uh, of the islands like that and the way he's saying full separation as well. And uh, the Bluebells as well is a completely different photo, but Noel has sent uh, cracking photos this month, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, it's a great selection, great section. I'm going to be updating pictures to the Blaskets there. It's a great spot. Yeah, brilliant. You know. uh, summertime, Valencia Island, and Richard Foran from Valencia has sent us some wonderful photos. And I, I just as a coincidence, in the background of Cromwell Point, the Valencia Lighthouse, we see one of the Blaskets again in the background there and sunset. And then we have the close-ups, and this is the macro photography, which takes a lot of skill. We have the, the fuchsia, the two fuchsia, uh, um, the few fuchsia ladies that we used to call them, dancing along there. And... Then you have, oh God, here we go, Lady Bird or Lady Bug. And, uh, oh, we're off again, <laughs> listeners. Will somebody tell him it's a Lady Bird? He goes on about the Lady Bird. It's a great picture. It's nice. It's it's a it's, it's a Lady Bird on top of um, a leaf and just there and going and standing on the, at the top edge of it. Great picture. And the thing about it is we always called them fairy lights, mm. fairy lanterns. Okay. So the fuchsias that come yeah. down there like that and it's great. And I absolutely, like, sunsets can be very easy to take. And I always say it's a very easy picture to take it's very difficult to make it interesting and this with the lighthouse in it and going across that makes it a very interesting picture so it's a very good picture yeah um, no this next one is a real humorous one from Norin Elegan um, and I I read the email first before I seen the photo and I was saying what is Norin sending to us because it said hi John Dominic love the show this is my photo for this month kissing cousins and I was expecting to see something a lot different I didn't know should I open it or not the photo and there we have these two calves and they're kissing away and uh, they, their eyes are rolling in their head as well as they're doing it. It's, it's just an unusual picture that works 
you yeah. know, on that. And it's, again, it's like being ready, having your camera or having yeah, your phone. Yeah, on the spot. And just, it's a on-the-spot picture. We call it spot news. It just happens there and then you go and do it like that. Sure. Would I make any changes? No, I wouldn't make any changes because the picture tells the story and that's what you see is what you get. Yeah, this is becoming a rare, rare photo. Hi, John Dominic. Summer has arrived when the hay and turf is being saved for the year ahead. And there we see the uh, turf in its uh, reeks or little heaps. And uh, then we have the round bales there cut as well. And one time they would have been the haycock, you know, the old style uh, haycocks, which I, do, I, I haven't seen one. I don't know that I see one last summer, maybe the summer before I did, where, you know, it's covered with kind of like a bit of a muslin bag or uh, you on know, whatever is, bag yeah. on top. Um, um, but uh, great photos. Oh, it's great photos. Like w- when I see the bog one, I get the shivers because when, <laughs> I, when I was a young fella, my father was taking me up for an hour to the bog <laughs> and the hour was obviously four or five hours and you have no food no nothing and like and this the, the, we call them baby reeks I mean other people might call them different reasons because you, you'd spread them then you'd foot them then when they're dry then you'd put them into these baby reeks then on that you know and that's how it's easy to transport when they're big bones like that and they stay a bit dry but uh, Oh, lovely pitch though brings back memories on that and I, I like <laughs> not the, fond memories not fond right? memories at all <laughs> and, uh, and it's lovely lovely to see the bales down through the distance and the thing about it is you know it's taken late evening if you see that there's lovely shadows so people like should uh, like this time of the year is a difficult time of the year to, to get a great contrast and to create topography in pictures and what I mean is it's very hard to get detail if the sun is so high it's just down top and there's no kind of shadows or nooks and crannies whereas when you take stuff late in the evening like that you get the shadows and it just gives a great contrast so when you're looking at something it's almost like 3D as opposed to taking it actually during the day when it's quite flat again when I was doing the weddings that time you'd be praying that the wedding might go a bit later that you could get that later time to take your pictures because you get it's a better picture when you've got nicer shadows yeah, in it it's very interesting we'll look at a few more of your photos but we'll go to a break and I'll join you after the this. Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly Hogan's Funeral Home Tralee now, I hope you're enjoying In Focus this morning with Dominic Walsh, where we're looking at your photos. And uh, let's go back to a few of these, uh, Dominic. Um, Hi, Joe and Dominic. Attached three images from the summer. A built-up Costadel Sol to rowing on Kinmere River. Some contrast there. And a cloudy sunset over Barrow Harbour. Thanks, Kay Fitzgerald. And uh, that first photo just reminds me of the Costa del Sol. I, it wouldn't entice me to go to Costa del Sol because it is very built up. And I'd imagine if you were went there, say, 30 years ago, it would have been completely different, probably. Um, but it's kind of, there's so many buildings. I don't know why some people do that kind of a holiday. It wouldn't be for me now, myself. I'd prefer to kind of go to a quieter um, spot. But then I love the kind of social aspect of it as well. So it's trying to get the balance right, isn't it? Uh, would you believe it? My wife and I on our honeymoon went to Costa del Sol. Go ahead. <laughs> God, it was a long time ago now on that. You know, and like when you see pictures like this that uh, Kay has produced, great to have you back, Kay. <laughs> we missed you. You were, you were gone for a while. But when you see pictures like this, it shows what the place actually looks like. Mm. That's why I always say to, say to people should look at, at the photos that come in on Radio Kerry because you see what exactly what you're going to get. Whereas if you look at any pictures of Costa del Sol, they'll show beautiful beaches and lovely things like that. It just shows how built up. It's an amazingly built up area like that. And yeah. to go to the contrasting of the rowing on, on the... Kinmare. Kinmare. 
Is, now, is it a river or a bay? Are they, they're thinking about changing that? Are there something like that that I heard? I, I'm, about not, that? I'm not going to go near that. <laughs> You're not going to go near that? Okay. Right, so the Kinmare River saw on that. Lovely picture. I like it. It's, it's absolutely lovely on that. Do you know, as you can see, Kay, on this time of the year, you can see there's that little bit of a haze in the distance. Yeah. On the, you're going to get that. Normally, if you had a shower rain, you could take the pictures afterwards. Or might be time to work on to maybe using a polarised filter. Okay. You can get a polarised filter. It fits in the front of your lens on yeah. that. And a polarised filter, it's a filter that goes, so it's like your sunglasses, but you rotate the front part of the filter and it'll give you, actually, it'll make the images quite clear. If I had to go down and take pictures through glass, I'd put, I'd put a polarised in front of the lens and it's actually clearer. So that might be a little thing to work on this time of year for people like if they had a polarised lens. Don't be afraid to take them out and use them. They're very, very handy. Mm. And as for looking out over Barra Harbour, out onto Tralee Bay, I think it's an excellent photograph. I love the sky shapes. The the two the thirds rule has gone out the window on this yeah on that but it is a great picture you've got that black line across the bottom that shows the landscape and then you've got the sea and you've got the most amazing clouds behind it's a great picture very good hello Joan Dominic I have included some pictures of seagulls I captured while standing on the pier in Dingle there were a lot of seagulls but it was pretty challenging to capture them in motion I'm really looking forward to hearing Dominic's advice and strategies for improvement. Thanks again Margaret O'Shea and I have to say Margaret has sent some wonderful photos here of the young seagulls I would say there um, if it's the same one and I can see what she means by the last photo there one of the wings is blurry so how do you address that something in motion Dominic? Yeah um, I wish Margaret probably would have told us what she was using whether it was a mobile phone or whether it was an actual camera yeah. or anything like that because it, it would just make a, a big difference well uh, let's take it that it's a camera we'll we take it as a camera right? if it's a camera you increase your shutter speed full stop increase your shutter speed on that and you take the pictures a lot of photographers professional photographers use what's called a panning version is how they do that is if you can imagine a race car going by on that and if you can't get, especially in a, if it's a dusky day and you can't get your speed up too high on that and if you put up your your ISO too high, you're going to get a lot of noise. Picture actually looks blurred on top of it. So what they do is they pan. In other words, as the car, or the seagull in this case, is coming down past you, you would hold, brace yourself, and you'd rotate your body across. So what you're doing is you're actually starting to travel at the same speed as the bird, and the camera's taking the pictures of it. So the pictures will be sharp and the background will be blurred. That's a way you can do it on that to speed it up. But you know something? I think the the slowness adds a little bit of a nice effect mm. to the fact that you see the third picture there. The bird is actually almost quite sharp and you can see the movement on the le- on the, the wings as well. I like that. If I actually asked for a photo of a bird, I would expect a photographer to come back with a picture like that. It just shows that there's movement and the eye can look at it and say, oh, the bird is flying. Whereas the bird is still, you think it's dropping out of the sky, do you know? Yeah, very well said. Now, Siobhan O'Connor always sends us some wonderful uh, photos and uh, three great ones here. Um, photos attached for July. Ross Nola Beach, uh, Donegal. I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation. Uh, sunset at Tulan Strand, Donegal. And Sunday afternoon in Phoenix. Regards, Siobhan O'Sullivan. These are wonderful photos again. And like, like the car pictures, love. You've got the car, you've got the coffee cup, and you've got a book. Um, a Secret Garden Affair is the name of the book that I'm just reading on yeah. that there as well like, so, and it just adds it just gives the, like somebody sitting down in a car reading a book and relaxing it just gives a lovely effect doesn't it yeah. like you get kind of drawn into the photograph as again 
using props. Nice to use props on Yeah, and uh, I think uh, Lily Elvins then is Siobhan's niece and uh, Lily sends us, she's our young photographer and she has sent photos from Phoenix. The first one is Blue Skies Over Phoenix, Sun on the Stones on the Seashore, our weekly treat of ice cream from McCarthy's on a Sunday afternoon and I love the way they've put the ice cream on the dash there. Uh, very clever. It is very clever and it tells a story and that's what a picture is about telling a story you've gone for your drive you're getting the ice cream there and you've two spoons so they're obviously sharing it you know if it was me it'd only be one spoon because (laughs) I wouldn't be sharing it so it's lovely to see that and you've the sky and everything in the background it's a lovely picture and again it's about telling stories on that and then you've got the next picture then you've got the the, the rocks and you've got the pier back and again I'd watch that the The lines the the lines like as I said like like the horizon watch the horizon lines there's a bit of a tilt there's a bit of a tilt now I'm not perfect myself what I, I'm not I don't get the horizons right all the time myself Joe like, that. like you think I'm a great photographer perfect I'll have to take that on board but I don't think you're Good. perfect because if we're going to blast it you're not going to bring another spoon with your ice cream so. just a straight like you can do that in post production in other words that, what that means is when you're looking at your pictures yeah. afterwards then you can do these things because you mightn't have to, you yeah, might have time yeah, to again on the phone you can have a yeah, tilt and it, tilt it, it yeah. can all be done and crop it or whatever like you want to do yeah. so try and get the right step but you know on that and I love the picture in of she, what she's got she's got a picture and the tide is in and you're looking down through the the water into the gravel and you can see the shimmer of the water yeah. on that and you're looking down through it it's almost like like a surreal little reflection and you yeah. get an unusual view I of thought it. it was plastic at the start and yeah. that is a big problem in our shoreline but it isn't yeah, it it's is, just yeah. the way it's on that if they see plastic on the shore bring it back to the bin bring it back yeah home. and there's a, I've seen I was in Derryman Beach there recently and they have a beautiful um, kind of a it's like a wire mesh fish but you put your rubbish into it or plastics oh, or whatever idea, it's a great yeah. idea yeah um, good morning Joe and Dominic summer is here and we are all full of glee and that comes in from Agnes O'Sullivan our friend from Kells and a wonderful photo of uh, cattle there I just really love this photo and it's kind of done in a stretched kind of landscape kind of version as well and then June 21st longest day of the year 2023 was my prayer and uh, that says Agnes and uh, Agnes and again it's a beautiful sunset and uh, then I look at the clock as I prepare for our dinner later on today I have often heard it said beauty does not boil the pot but no one told me we could not have both that's right Agnes body and soul cater for I treasure your photo section best wishes Agnes and uh, lovely photo of um, the kind of plant life and then the, the West Kerry in the background and a head of cabbage which we were all found under but uh, that's correct yes Joe and so Kerry anyway like that you know and, uh, Agnes um, actually it, it's a pleasure for us to get your pictures Agnes because they're fantastic I love the cattle picture it's a panoramic is what it's called it's a wide picture and you've got the cattle there and the and you're going from looking at from the right right everything's perfect exposure is quite good you're coming across and then on the left hand side you've got that big shadow that darkens down the picture again again a late evening shot and it just works well it's absolutely lovely picture on that and you know the sunset again going through the plants it's quite nice on that and a head of cabbage that's an unusual way to, to put off a head of cabbage it's absolutely people should go on and have a look at that it's a great picture excellent yeah there's one of the photos we have when we're young and it's one of my brother. He's very young, and I'm in there as well. And there we are among the cabbage, and that's where we were found. We were told, you know. Yes, yeah, um, was told that. Yes, very good. Our theme so for next month our is theme is 
Life is for living. Life is for living. So that's, if you want to send in your photo, that is the theme. That's nice and broad. Life is for living. Well, it is. But as, as we say every month, Joe, we give people an idea. Yes. We, we, we throw a theme out there. And the only reason you put a theme out there is to get people's brains ticking like that. You know? And it can be any, like, this is a loved one. Life is for living. It can be anything. And again, you can be, what you don't have to leave your home to get a picture. Get off out there. You can be in a wheelchair. You can be in crutches. You can take a picture and get them in. And we love it. As I say, we look at every picture and we talk about every picture. Yeah, it's a great time. And people, you know, thinking about what they're doing. Life is for living. And it's so true. And let's see this in photography terms. Let's see what you come up with. I'm really looking forward to see what you come up with. Our photo of the month, Dominic. Our photo of the month which I thought was a really nice picture and it kind of it, it's, it's, it struck me as a picture and it was a well um, composed picture has to go to Clara Head and Noel O'Neill and yeah. I thought it was a very good picture and people should look at it and people should start imitating pictures like that and get ideas from that because it's a good landscape and it's slowly shut us bound and it's just thinking outside the box and making a lovely picture look even better yeah it's beautiful yeah it is absolutely lovely and humour photo of the month it has to be the kissing cousins doesn't it kissing cousins the kissing cousins (laughs) it just made me smile when I see it that That came in from Nora Delegate Nora gave me a shock when I see the title but when we've seen the photo of the two calves kissing it's absolutely brilliant so well done Noel for our photo of the month and Nora for humour photo of the month and our theme for next month is life is for living we're going to take a break and after that we'll be going back into Dominic Walsh's archive the Saturday supplement on Radio Kerry brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly Hogan's Funeral Home Tralee this is the Saturday supplement and it is the first Saturday of the month so we're having our monthly in focus slot photography slot with Dominic Walsh renowned photographer and now Dominic we're going back into your archive and a very poignant uh, selection of photos you've brought in it is the late great Christy Dignam of Aslan and he is performing in these photos you have a close up shot of him where we can see his face and the sincerity um, in his face he's looking to the heavens as he often did when he was singing his songs and then he's into interacting with the crowd um, as well. Where and when was this? Well, um, I would have photographed Christy a number of times and an absolute gentleman he was and any time I photographed him and if he met me afterwards or had eye contact with me he either gave me the thumbs up or he said thank you and just something it means a lot a little thing to yeah, a working photographer yeah. when somebody says thank you on that I started photographing him around 2014 2015 and on that and I worked with him I photographed him in Tralee he was down the Rose Hotel he was uh, in the Dome he was on the streets in Tralee he was out inside in Listowel singing like that you know and he was an absolute amazing man to photograph you couldn't but get great pictures of him he's a very animated person and if you watch him and each song he sings he tells the story through his hands yeah it's like he's doing sign language but he's not but it's like he is yeah and and every time he tend to if if, if there was God in the word or praise he'd look up at the sky and he'd be kind of giving the shapes it's like he was interpreting interpreting the song interpreting what it is like that you know and even I thought he would have made a great conductor mm. because like when his hands were going and the music was going when the drummer started drumming in the background you could see his fingers going as the drummer was going then when the guitar was coming in then, then when he'd start singing then he'd do a little spin of the hands and then he'd start singing and his hands would just pause and get it out there like that and he, he was the type of man that he never sang unless he was speaking in other words, he'd yeah. have a song, then he'd tell a little bit of a story and he'd interact with people like that, you know, and, and he'd sing away. But as for voices, 
like it's like you always say like you know like when you hear people and they're singing live you, you get a different aspect or a different sound of it yes but when you're there in the moment and you're, you're looking like that and the interest the amount of people that were following him was absolutely fantastic you know he was a very humble man I would think yeah I don't think he actually realised how popular or how famous he was mm on that from listening on the radio they were saying he was a humble man he was just living the streets up in yeah. Dublin he was yeah. interacting with people like he'd go off down like that and it's, it's a great it's, it's, it's a great sense of loyalty for let's say a musician to have and to deal to, to interact with people like that and to talk like I used to be there some nights and I'd photograph and he'd be there 20 minutes later still yeah. interacting with people and talking to people and listening to their stories and shaking hands with them like that but the thing about it is he's a man that very, that's why I've actually got three pictures without glasses on yes. anytime I've ever photographed him I've always photographed him with glasses and he's looking away and I've very rarely will I actually have a picture of him looking with the eye line looking in yeah. and you can see one of the pictures that I have he's just looking right into my camera and I'm shooting towards him yeah. I've never used flash with him on that and I've always used ambient light working with him like that and I've always used if I can get away a telephoto lens which I'm quite a distance away yeah on the, and I'm always that little bit elevated if I can possibly do it like that. Yeah. Um, I've seen him perform, or seen Aslan perform twice, maybe more, but like two uh, memories that stand out to me. One was in Leopardstown when I was living in Dublin, and they were absolutely unbelievable in the race course the, and the crowd. You see the Dublin crowd as well. Yes, they were yeah, home, yeah. kind of. And they, they you know, you'd know all the songs as well. And then the other time was at the Carsevine Celtic Music Festival oh, yes, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was there. And what stood out to me that time is the no shoes. And I, 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 I was trying to remember Lepstone. I don't think he'd shoes on either. He's wear bare, or he'd bare feet. Did he have bare feet? When did you remember that? No. Something out. That's. I'm just actually going to look at the pictures now mm. and see. Was he bare, barefoot in the yeah, pictures? Yeah, he definitely feet? was in Carsevine. I remember that that he'd bare feet, and I was saying, oh yeah, there must be you know to feel something or whatever you know. I photographed a dancer one time. Yeah. And I think it was an Iceland song. I think was being played, and she was hairy impaired. And she was dancing on her feet. Oh, to feel the vibrations. And my yeah. God, to hear her and the music, and she'd be dancing. And we were all running, but we didn't realise she was actually feeling the vibrations. You couldn't yeah. even hear through her feet like that. Yeah, yeah. And that. Like, he was the type of man, really, that, you know, that was interacting with the crowd. He'd be over and back, and he just loved when people would sing his music for him like yeah. that, you know, and that, and he'd look down and talk, and like the women would be in the corner, he'd be over waving at them and talking to them, and he'd be holding people's hands, and mm. oh, he's yeah. absolutely different. He'd yeah. be sorely missed. I he will think, be, yeah. and he had his troubles in, in yeah. life, which were well documented, but he always owned up to his, his troubles uh, uh, as well. They could have been as big as you two, that was often said, um, but I think they, they got more of a cult status, and uh, uh, he'll be he'll be sorely missed, but his music will live on, and also the images of him through photos like yourselves there, like yourself took. Um, he lives on through them as well, and it really uh, captures it. So well done, Dominic. Thank you. But you know, as a photographer, and, and I keep saying to people like like photographers and people taking, but have a great gift. They can actually freeze time. Mm. And and that's what I've done here. I've frozen time, and and they they become not iconic pictures, but they're iconic pictures to me, like that. But when people see them like that and see artists, so when people take pictures, and you might just take a picture of somebody and blase put into the side of your phone or put into your little archive or anything like that, it's 
very handy to mind your pictures, put them someplace safe, put them on your computer, because you never know when you want to go back looking at them. Yeah. Uh, Dominic, pleasure as always. We're out of time, but uh, we have announced our theme for next month, and it is Life is for Living. So you can send your photos to jmcgill at radiocarry.ie, midday Wednesday before the first Saturday of the month. Dominic, thanks a million for coming in. And thank you for having me, Joe, and thank you to your listeners. Now, after the break, we will have another episode of A Bloss of Kerry, where we will be featuring Quinlan's Curry Fish, and we'll be talking to the Quinlan brothers from Renard Point, so stay tuned for that. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly, Hogan's Funeral Home, Tralee. Now, so we're into the second hour of the Saturday Supplement, and now we're going to hear another episode of Bloss of Kerry, where we profile family food businesses here in the kingdom. And in this episode, we hear from Quinlan's Kerry Fish, who has become famous for providing the very best wild, organic and superior smoked salmon and fresh seafood to customers in Kerry and across the world. Their family's seafood business, based at Renard Point in Carsveen, was started in 1963. So have a listen to this. This radio series is a Maureen Nivahuna production, funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee. This is Bloss of Kerry, a unique eight-part series where we provide an insight into the amazing variety of family food businesses represented in Kerry. Some of the most ancient of these trades goes back centuries, and in many of the family businesses we will profile are handed down from generation to generation. Our series aims to reveal the magnificent story and history associated with traditional family food businesses in Kerry. In this episode, we hear from Quinlan's Kerry Fish, who has become famous for providing the very best wild, organic and superior smoked salmon and fresh seafood to customers in Kerry and across the world. Their family seafood business, based at Renard Point, Carsevine, was started in 1963 and continues to be managed by three Quinlan brothers, Liam, Ronan and Fenton following the death of their father, Michael, in 2020. I'm Liam Quinlan, one of the co-owners of Quinlan's Fish in Carrasamine, County Kerry. And I'm Ronan Quinlan, one of the co-owners of Quinlan's Fish in Kerry also. Well, back in 1963, there was a Danish company called Rainbow uh, took over the site here in Renard, uh, which was this, the old rail, railway station, the Valencia Harbour station. And uh, I suppose this company, Rainbow, they were ahead of their time. They had fishing trawlers, fish processing factory here in Renard. They had a waste facility for processing the waste into animal food for minks. They had a mink farm in Waterville. They had a fish meal plant in Donegal. So they were really, really ahead of their time, but I suppose they were too far ahead of their time because looking from Denmark to Ireland, they had two points in the map, Killybegs and Carsevine, and at that time, as you well know, there was no motorway, anything like that. So the logistics of the whole thing just didn't work for them. So that business ceased after three or four years, and then a local a local businessman uh, fishing skippers a couple of pub, a public, two publicans stroke fishing skippers and my father re-established the business as Kerry Fish um, now I suppose it was kind of reinventing the wheel in, in, in a way in that um, there was a, a group of local fishermen who had product the coal store in the factory was here in Renard so they kind of they did a rainbow in effect but they had the local involvement which meant they, they were able to get off the ground a lot quicker established a market for the for the produce that was being caught locally and away it went from there and then in 1996 my father and myself bought out the business from them individuals and uh, we just the whole family became involved and we just grew legs as they say from there uh, well, in the 90s, our primary business was exporting mackerel and herring and sprat, 
all over the world really from Japan to Nigeria to Egypt to all all over Europe so we kind of changed the migratory pattern of pelagic fish such as mackerel and that became more norther, northerly than here which meant we were at a disadvantage having to truck the fish from Killybegs downwards and then process the fish and maybe put the waste back up to Killybegs to the fish peel plant so we were at a competitive disadvantage so we decided to switch into into selling all or most of our products fresh, some frozen but not as much, and diversify from pelagic species such as mackerel and herring into whitefish and prawns, and and kind of put an emphasis on our own fishmongers, which we opened at the time then as well, and latterly the the fish bars and and, and restaurants. At that time, there was just Kiloglin and Carsevian. Um Donald Tommy, of course, was is the star still is the stalwart in Carsevian has been since day one, and Kiloglin, and then. In the 2000s, we opened a couple of more fish shops and then that was the idea, came along to add to the value chain once again and, and open the seafood bar stroke restaurants where you were taking the product direct from the boat, processing it and adding as much value as you could to get it to the, the end, end user, the consumer as such. Like many family businesses, Liam got involved from an early age. Oh, sure. There was nothing else in my mind. Uh, once, Even before I left school, um, even my mother would tell you a parent-teacher meeting one time Joe Mahoney, the, the teacher in Carcevine said look Angela, just take him out of here all he wants to do is be below the point and uh, that's all I want I, that's all I ever wanted and look, happy out love the job, great satisfaction Ronan, was it the same for you when you got involved? Oh yeah, fierce passion and interest always like would have great memories growing up around the place even from five or six being around the factory and around the factory, around the pier and the boats landing fantastic memories like you know, always wanted to be here and don't want to be anywhere else you know, happy with our lot here um, and even like going back along just even with my own kids now like and explaining to them about different things about the seaside and uh, the boats landing and different types of fish and shellfish that we pick and even last week I was periwinkle picking I said like even when we were young lads I remember we had a periwinkle pond out the back that dad used to um, keep periwinkles in and I was explaining to him all about how he had to get the periwinkles to crawl up the walls and I said that's what I remember from like five and six years of age it's just amazing like great, great way to grow up you know and like you often hear the pressure of having to go into the family business so you obviously didn't feel that at all no, I suppose we were happy to... No, we are happy to come along. We were happy to do it. Like, we weren't pressurised in any which way. And if we wanted to do something else, that was fine. Um, but no, we enjoyed coming into the business and we enjoyed what we're doing and it's good in that way. We were lucky, I suppose, that my father gave a lot of fellas in South Kerry to start and uh, we had some unbelievable characters here. Uh, John Buckley, up from Kilo. Unbelievable character. He used to say mass in the factory, up and up for fish box back in the day um, Jackie Tullig from Port McGee brought me to Dublin many of the time we used to go to Dublin that time five nights a week which was a long trek from here Jack showed me Dublin inside outside upside down we knew it all um, Dickie Rock our famous foreman I think everybody would have known him um, Pat McCrohan Freddie Kelleher Mickey and Driscoll there were some unbelievable characters came through the place and uh, what you learned from them I suppose my god they were um they were smart and I don't mean smart in, the, in being smart but they were they were very intelligent lads and great to learn from and the whole lot you know uh, Patsy McGill Hardcast Patrick Lovey all of them great lads look we were um, always well supported by locals even to this day in the shops we are very well supported by our local community um, but I suppose I'd like to think we've supported them a lot over the years as well but like that we've had some great fellas went through the factory and a lot of them 
did two and three years and that and moved on and went on to greater things um, but yeah look, look I suppose anytime we'd be in Crow Park my father used to get great pleasure out of Jack O'Shea would always come up to him my first employer and daddy'd be delighted with that um, so look we were lucky I suppose South Kerry has bred some fantastic characters over the years and we were lucky to have our share of them in addition to the two original fish shops in Carseveen and Kilorglan, the business has spread its wings much further afield. Well, I suppose the shops, people got a taste and people knew. I suppose fish has become fancy in the last number of years. Um, we were very lucky in South Kerry always that we had the best of produce. And we knew if we could do what we were doing in South Kerry and bring it on a bit, we'd get appreciation and we'd get a, a following, which we have. So, look, we're lucky. We're, we've opened in Limerick of late, in, in, in Duns, in Jetland there that's the latest concession there's plans for a couple of more we have the shops in Tralee Killarney Killarglan Carseveen of course very well supported but look it's down to the team we have in the shops as well uh, we have experts in their field in the shops and they'll know if Joe comes in what Joe is looking for how to bone it how to skin it they'll advise you how to cook it um, so very lucky there and then look the fish bars were the next kind of logical progression and uh, given where they were located with tourists and locals, they've been very well supported. Quinlan's Curry Fish is a significant employer within the county. We have over 130 at the moment, um, going to probably 150 by the end of the year. Um, the business was very seasonal, where we would have laid off quite a, a number during the winter. But as of late, we don't. Um, we, we've kept most of our workforce on over the winter this year, and hopefully expanding those year goes on again. And I suppose, look, if you look at we're doing a job in Cork at the minute, um, we believe in using our own men, in inverted commas, for want of a better word. So the main contractor, the electrical, is Paul Murphy from Port McGee, old Barrack, as everybody know him. Uh, Tommy Griffin from Beaufort does, does the plumbing. KPH, Kilmer Plantire, the main contractor is there. Pa Griffin, the tile and plumbing, is, is doing all the tile and washware and stuff like that there. So, look, I suppose them people have our back and they know what we want and they know the standard we, we work to as well but like that they'll go the extra mile for us because you know they know we're supporting them but likewise they're in our shop every day of the week so you know you've got to support your customers Within the business there is a huge family involvement with the next generation getting stuck in also Well there's the three of ourselves Fintan, Ron and myself they're kind of at the helm but my own children are coming into the business now there's um, I'm lucky enough to have five of them and I can see definitely four of them here in the next couple of years there's, there's, they're all coming going at the minute and they're all working in the business so look they, but they've, they've turned their their stripes and they have to start like we all started washing boxes and cleaning pots and pans if they have to um, but look we're lucky Ron has a couple so we don't know I suppose my father encouraged me to go away elsewhere he didn't see a future in it but look I think this is better than it was so look we'll see if they want to come in they're welcome but they'll have to start at the bottom and work up and again, you said there, your father never put pressure on you, so... Well, not a bit, anything but. He told me to go in and do anything but, but this business. Um, but I suppose South Kerry has changed a lot. Look, the amount of people who want to come here to live now, that think it's it. And look, I suppose you've got to get older to appreciate where we live is second to none. Do you know, and you can roll out of bed in the morning, come 30 seconds down the road, you're at work, there's a lot to be said for it, and go up down in the middle of the day whenever you want for your coffee and your fox in the box and whatever you want. You are able to speak Spanish as well, so tell us how that came about and what's the reason for that? Well, we have a very strong involvement with the northwest of Spain going back to 1978, which we still have, and uh, the amount of Spanish fishermen in, in and out of here we kind of picked it up on the fly you know Ronan learnt it formally 
my Spanish would be more um, maritime Spanish, I suppose, than than more um, more grammar based. But yeah, well, the two of us are fluent, and look, it has helped in in business that when you're dealing in Spain quite a lot and you can speak the language, well then the Spaniards have a bit more respect for you as well. You know, they've said, oh, this fellow's made a bit of an effort. So we're lucky, I suppose, Michael O'Neill across the road would have been, um, he's fluent Spanish and I would have been earwigging off him in the car and listening and pick, just picked it up as we went along then, you know. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly. Hogan's Funeral Home, Tralee. You're listening to an episode of Bloss of Kerry, where we provide an insight into the amazing variety of family food businesses represented in Kerry. In this episode, we hear from Quinlan's Kerry Fish. One of the products that the Quinlan's are known for is their internationally award-winning smoked salmon, which is sold all over the world. Where once a very popular product at Christmas time, it is now much sought after all year round. I suppose if you went back 10 years ago, we would have done 60% of our smoking in the month of December. But as time has moved on and people got to know the product, it's kind of spread out more over the year. Um, and we don't have the big push on that we had at Christmas only. Um, so, no salmon we use we use once you put in a good quality product get out a good quality product simple as that we take our time on the salting and the smoking process and everything is still controlled by ourselves so we make sure it's uh, produced in a, a traditional manner where is it supplied to? we supply we supply all over the world we supply a lot into the Irish market into Germany France Italy uh, out as far as Dubai Singapore um, so it's got a good name. It's got a good name. Um, we work very hard on it to keep it right quality product every time, and it just seems to sell itself. So then it was time to get a tour of the factory floor and to see how their famous smoked salmon is made. Uh, right, Joe. We'll get you suited and booted first in a minute before we go any further, and we go on to the main floor then. Right, uh, Joe. We're here now on the, the main floor, uh, on the wet fish floor. So basically what happens in this area here is all our fish comes in through our main entrance there and then depending on if it was a boat landing for example we'll land it on the floor and we will sort through it by the different species and size and then we decide what we're going to do with it. So we supply our own shops and restaurants. We all supply, supply other wholesalers and then some of it goes to export. So, for example, if a boat came in with Monk and Hake, uh, we would, say, take the Hake out. That would go straight for filleting. And then the monkfish, we'd grade out. we grade it between maybe big and small. We could send the large for filleting and then the small and mediums would be exported out on... Um, a given week to France or Spain depending on what volumes are there. So that's the main factory floor. So then on the main factory floor we basically we do all our processing for all our wet fish which would be all the types of different types of white fish and also our salmon filleting and salting to place I'll say there. Um, and then portioning control everything. Fish cakes is made up here. Um, so that's one side of the uh, business. 
Joe, we're just after coming off the wet fish floor and we're after coming back, we're going to have to come in through into the, the high risk area. So in our high risk area, high care area, we process um, our crab and we also do our smoked salmon. Um, our smoked salmon uh, is, so it's salted outside on the main factory floor and then it's rested out there for a number of hours. No family secret, we can't uh, divulge that. Um, then we bring it in here and we put it into our smokers. So we have, we have two smokers. We have the original Kerry smoker, which is here since I think it was installed in 1961 and it came operational in 63. And still works perfect to this day and age and love it. Um, great machine, very, very simple piece of kit. But the product it produces, um, absolutely fantastic. And uh, to be honest with you, we'd always say like uh, the smokers is paid for a lot of holidays. Um, that's one of them. Then we have then when we took over Kinmayer salmon in 2017, along with him came a kind of a more modern smoker, an AFOS smoker. It uses a slightly different smoking chip, and this is a slightly different process, but still produces a very good product, but there are two distinct markets for what we're producing for. Um, basically, the Kerry smokers all, is still all original. Original smoke box. Basically what happens is Fine dust, fine sawdust, which would be a mix of oak and beech chippings, is dropped down into hot, into hot plate. Hot plate burns the sawdust, but doesn't set it on light, so you just get smoke, and then the smoke just wafts through the oven gently. Um, and basically, we then have to determine, depending on such factors, it's kind of wind, weather, and tides would make a massive difference. You wouldn't believe it because if you get a kind of a damp all day, it takes longer in the oven. If you're smoking in the middle of summer, you've got to watch your temperature. So there's lots of different variances, so you've got to keep an eye on it. But it's just something we've picked up over the years, and I learned a lot from my dad on like what to do and what not to do, and basically that, you know... Um, if there's a very fine, if we're having a spell of very fine weather, don't put them into late at night. Do you know little tricks? Don't, little tricks like that uh, pay dividends over the years. And it's just experience more than anything. And but that's knowledge that's handed down. It's yeah. knowledge that's handed down, and it, it's not something you can write down in a book. You've just got to go through. And do you know what? Look, I've made plenty of mistakes over the years where the thing has gone up and it's cooked a lot. But do you know what? You learn from it. Uh, simple as that. But it's something you can't read in a book. You just gotta live through it. So um, that's it. So that's pretty much that's all original. It's great, still doing the trick and hopefully be there for another six years. Running such a successful business requires a massive investment of time and sometimes twenty four seven commitment. So how do the lads balance this with personal time? <laughs> it is 24-7 and 365 on top of that as well uh, but it doesn't bother us um, look some people like to have their weekends off and clock out Friday and back Monday we're not built like that and I suppose we never 
I, I certainly don't look at the day of the week anyway. And look, our business is a seven-day operation because when the factory shuts in the evening, the restaurants kick off at night, and the same Saturday and Sunday, the busiest days in the restaurants, so you've got to be there for them as well. But then you've got to be into the factory Monday morning if there's a boat landing, simple as that. But we don't take any notice of it. There's three of us here to, to carry the load as well, which I suppose helps as well, you know. And look, if you want to take a week off, you just tell us I'm off next week and it's set. We're talking about the boys of the family, but we're forgetting to mention the women of the family. I suppose, firstly, your sister up the road here. She runs a very um, successful guest house and uh, restaurant as well. And it's still kind of in the family business, famed for their seafood. It is, look, and Kate has been instrumental. I suppose in the setting up of the restaurants and the takeaways, she gave us an untold amount of help. She, I, she never got any thanks for it either, I suppose. But uh, no, great. Um, she's a great way with fit-outs, with cooking, even planning menus, stuff like that. She was very, very good. Uh, and Kate, I suppose Kate got the show on the road there with, with the first takeaway in Killarney at the time. Um, yeah. And your mother then, what does she make of all, all of this? Because I presume she had to put up with a lot over the years. She thinks we're half mad at the best of times. Um, we only told her the other night that we bought the new boat and she, she said that you were finished with boats. And sure, She said, yeah, where you go if that's what you want to do, do it. And that's important to have that kind of, I suppose, support. Oh, it's great, look, that you have people that have your back. Um, not only family, I suppose, which is the most important, but all our team here in Renard and everything, you know, they, I often say they take a bullet for us. And how does the family dynamic work in the light of your brothers and trying to get on? And then how do you separate the business and the brothers and all that? I'm lucky the boys don't socialise with me and I don't socialise with them. And they all know at the end of the day I'm the boss. What do you make of that, Ronan? Yeah, no, not really. No, no, no. Look, we get on, we get on well. Um, look, obviously, there's no separation between family and the business. It can't happen that way. Uh, unfortunately, we're so immersed in it. It's just... it's seven days a week in this part of our lives um, and we've been very lucky the three of us over the years I don't think we've ever fallen out for longer than maybe 30 minutes so we're doing alright in that respect uh, we kind of look we're we don't hold grudges um, and if we have a word with each other in the morning two minutes later we're stuck in each other's ear about something else and that's the way it works um, with the uh, three of us and that's I suppose how we've, we've we've lasted so long together you know even though the Quinlan brothers run the business you will seldom see them sitting behind a desk and you're much more likely to see them out and about as they enjoy being involved in all aspects of the business. No, we like to be kind of stuck in the thick of it and I think we're kind of... We can turn our hand to... We're lucky we can turn our hand to, to anything, any aspect of business, whether it is um, filleting fish or frying chips or if it's even down to just cleaning a shop or driving a van, there's nothing beneath us. Um, and we'd like to get stuck in with the people that work with us um, and we feel it just brings everybody along that if you can come along and you can say to your girl, well look I'll give you a hand and it doesn't matter if it's the dirtiest job or the cleanest job I can give you a hand with it um, and it just pays dividends and it makes people a lot happier do you know and we like to get back to I like to go for my drive every now and then with my deliveries and stuff and you meet different customers and you meet you meet even the customers in the shop I mean, it's great to stand behind the counter in the shop and just chat to your customers about it's a nice day outside or, you know, silly things. But kind of it's a lot, it's a lot nicer than if you were outside in the factory floor all week and you're wet and you're cold. It's nice to stand behind the shop and then have a chat with Mary about uh, the weather up or next to us. So that's what it's all about. 
There isn't many families because of Kerry and I suppose, you know, the economics of the 80s and going back through the years that families are able to stay in the one area and make a success in the one area and you mentioned your own children like they have an opportunity to be involved in this as well if they want or, or, or not but it, it must be very satisfying from that point of view that you have that opportunity because of, of the business here Oh yeah we have an opportunity but I suppose look the other side of it is we've we're lucky but we've made our own look as well we've worked very hard um, to get to where we are we put in a lot I mean we sacrificed a lot over the years Um there was a good story of myself and Liam maybe around 15 years ago and it was an Easter Sunday night and we were heading for Phoenix and we passed up past uh, it was fabric at the time in Tralee and I turned to each other and I said Jesus Christ are we mad now look at the crowd outside this place and we've gone back now to stand in the pier for the night and get wet and cold um, but that's look the next morning the job was done that was the end of it um, so like I say we're lucky but we have We've uh, we've worked hard to get where we are, and uh, we wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, there you have it. Another episode of Bloss of Kerry. And I want to thank all the contributors to A Bloss of Kerry, produced by Maureen Nivahuna, and uh, profiling some of the wonderful family businesses. And thanks again to the Quinlans there, and we wish them continued success. Now we're going to take a break with more after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly, Hogan's Funeral Home, Tralee. Now, before the break, I mentioned that there is a new art exhibition at the Khmer Butter Market. What a beautiful uh, venue. From left field, aptly describes the life of the artist Mary Duffy, a life that has been lived off-centre, off-beat, surprising everyone, especially herself. Mary, you're very welcome. How are you this morning? Thank you. I'm fantastic. Thank you, Joe. So tell us the description there that it aptly describes the life of, of, of you. Tell us a bit about yourself. Um, well, I've been an artist all of my life and being an artist is hard to carry off well with or without arms. And I was born without arms. And um, so I've been working as an artist for over 40 years and I've done a lot of different types of work. But this current exhibition in the Butter Market spans um, all of my interest, really. Um, there are portraits their landscapes and work from uh, life studies you mm. know that have never been exhibited before so it's it's a beautiful gallery and the work really looks great in the space mm. and there's a wide variety of um, exhibits there from the small to the huge mm. and what kind of painting uh, do you um, excel at, or, excel at or, or, or what, what, what way do you do your work um, most artists I mean to get ahead as an artist it seems like you paint one painting and then you keep repeating the same one you know this um, but I like to try many different areas so I've worked with acrylic and oil, charcoal uh, pastel I try everything um, I, but in the last few years I found it hard I used to love painting outside but I found it harder and harder to do it outside so I now paint from a, a magnificent studio and that has its own challenges in that 
I had to, you know, I'm not somebody that can use a photograph as inspiration. Mm. So I I changed my material and I, I work with cold wax and oil paint, which gives it great viscosity and transparency. And I I can add different kind of material to it, like Peter Ash. So my work is kind of semi-abstract, but the work in the exhibition spans about 10 or 50. Actually, it doesn't. There's one of my first paintings, um, not one of my first paintings, but I have a painting that I painted when I was 15 years old, and that's hanging in the gallery. Mm. Um, and it was a painting of my first studio, and it's going to be auctioned. Wow. And people can... Um, live bids will be accepted from the 7th of July online for two weeks. It's just an idea that the gallery had to spark interest in the painting. But the painting is of my studio and it's very much like an artist's studio and I was very proud of it. But when I look at it, it tells me a lot of about myself as a 15-year-old because the easel in it is what I thought an artist's easel should look like you know but it wasn't an easel that I would paint on because it was it was there for painting standing up and I would paint on the floor but I didn't think that I could put that in the painting I didn't think it could be a real artist studio but yeah now I do yeah. you know I find the fact that I have no arms is a big barrier to it was a big barrier to me as um, somebody trying to make a living as a painter. In what, w- in what way, Mary? Such a, well, most people of a certain age would know about the foot and mouth painters. Mm. People who paint with a brush in their, you know, and they send Christmas cards unsolicited around the world. And there is that tradition of kind of a charitable model yes and but what people don't realize is that the association of mouth and foot painting artists is actually a business a multi-billion euro business based in Liechtenstein and they're you know like a business they're set up for profit so it's not a charitable thing Mm. so many people think I ought to be involved in it but I'm not because they're in the business of selling tragic stories, and I'm not. I'm in the business of selling paintings. Mm, but you're, and, you're you're an artist first and foremost, so that's the way you should be looked uh, at, isn't it? Like, yeah. So, like, yes. you, you 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 feel like maybe at the start you could have been kind of pigeonholed, or people thought of you in a certain way in that in that kind of a way. Well, yes. I mean, what I've learned is, I mean, it's really put me off painting. Mm. And as a result, when I went to art college, I moved into photography instead. You know, and nobody ever asked me, did I take that photograph with my toes or my nose? Mm. Because, you know, mm. I took it with the camera. <laughs> but there is the same tradition of, there's not that same history. And so it took me a very long time to go back to painting, just what I always really wanted to do. And I realized that people who like my paintings don't care how I paint them. Mm. And people who are overly concerned how I do it are not in the least bit interested in my paintings. Mm. Yes. So I think it's a case of those who mind, those who, for those who matter, yeah, you know what I mean. 
anyway. Yeah, I understand completely. Um, cold wax as a, as a medium to work with. Like, how does that actually work? Now, I, I've interviewed someone, um, we did this documentary series called Handmade in Kerry, and we interviewed Liz Portal, and she uses egg tempura, you know. Um, it's like, an, it yeah. goes back to Egyptian times. Very interesting. So I'm always interested in kind of the, the materials that are used. But cold wax, to me, strikes me as a difficult medium to work with. In, is, is, would that be the case, or how does it actually work? No, it makes it easier. Um, it makes it easier to use the paint. It makes the paint more luminous and um, it, it's excellent for creating a variety of textures. Like I like a lot of texture in my painting. So mm. for example, acrylic painters might buy paint in a jar that has bubbles or gel added to it or sand added to it. But cold wax artists add the add the painting like I I get sand off the beach and I wash it and I bake it in the oven to remove the salt but it um, it makes the painting uh, very possible to work on it for a long time so you can always add the cold wax and return to the painting and rework it mm. but it never dries rock hard it's like you know the way a candle is not it's not Yes. Hard, but it's not soft it's either. It's malleable, though, yeah, yeah. Thank you, yeah. yes, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm. Like, cold wax medium is a dense paste, and it's excellent for creating textures. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, yeah, if you see them, you'll love them, I'm sure. Yeah, it brings it to life. The marine environment, um, that that's an important influence uh, on you as well, and you're a sailor, I believe, so... Um, you yeah, know, I love sailing. I suppose being the coastal county of Kerry, we're all in love with the water around here, so that very much inspires uh, your work as well. Yeah, well, I've always, I've always loved the sea, um, and I've always painted the sea a lot, but it's a totally different experience. In the last five years, I got the opportunity to start sailing, mm. and it's really fantastic. I just thought I was too old, but I'm not. So um, I'm actually heading off to the um, World Championships for my kind of boat um, in October this year. I'll be driving to Portugal, the south of Portugal. Wow, that, that sounds like an adventure of a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Because Portugal is such a beautiful country. I was only there myself last August, um, and the waters around there are just absolutely fabulous. So that, that sounds mm. like an adventure of a lifetime, though. Um, yeah. What does it mean for your work to be um, exhibited? Now, I know you're, like, you're, you're very accomplished and all that, and I was looking at the awards you've won and everything, but what does it mean to have your work exhibited for such a nice period of time as well? And a very busy period in Kinmare, you know, you'll have a lot of people um, going through that very popular Kinmare butter market, international visitors and everything. So what does it mean for you? And uh, I know you were happy with the invitation of Claire as well to, to invite you to exhibit there. Well, I, I was, I was, yeah, I was kind of overwhelmed, but I was, I needed a lot of encouragement to come to the kingdom, I have to say. Well, you're the <laughs> first person I, that I'm, needed encouragement to come to the kingdom. <laughs> but like, I have to bring nearly 200 paintings. Whoa, it's quite yeah. a logistic, logistical challenge shall we say but the gallery is so beautiful and Claire was so is so encouraging that I couldn't turn down the opportunity and as she was hanging the paintings she began to think that the gallery is too small 
to hang them. And it's a fantastic space. It's worth going there just to see it for itself. It's just beautiful. Mm. And the work looks great. Mm. Um, are you from Wicklow or living in Wicklow, Mary? Well, all belonging to me are from West Mayo. Um, but I grew up in the Midlands and I've lived in Wicklow for for over half my life. So I don't know where I'm from. Wherever I land my hat, that's my home. Yeah, as the famous song goes. Um, I, I, yes. I, I was looking about, um, you know, I, I'm fascinated with landscape, landscapes myself. And especially in this country, I think we have some amazing landscapes. We, we do a photography slot, with we, which we've just done in the first hour of the, of the programme. We always get listeners to send us in different photos, whatever. But there's the touch of the abstract in your, in, in your, um, uh, uh, for your um, paintings as well and uh, that's important I suppose as well all art is interpretation as well it's in the interpretation of that landscape um, for, for the, the viewer as well Yes, like there's a lot of my work in this exhibition that has never been exhibited before but it's, it's interesting to see my journey from literally when I was painting in the 1970s as a 15 year old right up until today and I guess it depended on my you know I used to love painting outside mm. but really my work became more abstract if it was very stormy or rainy or if I was fighting with the wind but when I moved into my studio to paint it definitely became more abstract but there's still the essence or the feeling of the landscape I think there, there you know mm. it's not a practice where I splash the painting on the yeah. yeah, they're not um, Jackson Pollock type abstract paintings. Mm. I think they're firmly rooted in the landscape. Mm. You've exhibited all over the world, like San Francisco, New York, London, Tokyo. Is there any difference in, in, in where you exhibit or is like art the universal language? Well, you have to remember that I have been an artist for 40 years. And um, the work that I have exhibited abroad has mostly been photographic work and it was to do with kind of politics of the body and um, also got to do with censorship and I actually, yeah I took part in an exhibition in Japan in the, the late 1990s um, which had to do with different ways of how the body has been seen throughout the 20th century and I think I was the only living artist that attended so they consider that my work in photography has been very influential. Mm. Um, and it was included in a book called Beauty and Art, 1750 to the year 2000. And I was the last entry. So I knew I'd made it then because not only did they erroneously describe me as being British, <laughs> but I was later pronounced dead. You know, it took me a while to figure. So I thought I really, you know, as an artist, it doesn't get better than being dead. So. <laughs> That's a great story. Um, but yeah, so yes, um, I have brought my work all over the world. Um, but that was very much in the last century. In this century, I've been based in Ireland. And actually, my paintings have travelled to all different corners of the world. I have a website and I, I've sold paintings to people who who I've never met and trans sent them off to Australia and America so yeah 
Um, I know your question was about is art a universal language or something. Mm. I guess it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your website, you mentioned it there. Can you remind people what's the website address? It's www.maryduffy.ie. Maryduffy.ie. And the exhibition runs till the 22nd of July, and we'd encourage everyone to um, go along and uh, see Mary's uh, wonderful work. Mary, thanks a million for coming on and telling us all Thank about you very it. Much. And, and best of luck with yeah. the, the, the exhibition. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you. Now we're going to take a break. We'll have more after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly. Hogan's Funeral Home, Tralee. Now, so we've almost come to the end of the programme. Again, well done to everyone taking part in the Ring of Kerry charity cycle. And uh, it takes a great effort in all the fundraising as well. Well done to all involved and very worthy charities. And we wish all those charities all uh, the best. And well done to all the families who helped out and the volunteers who helped out as well then uh, along the route and to organise this massive logistical uh, event as well. And well done to Cahill Walsh and everyone involved. Now, also, I want to congratulate once again, um, you might have heard a few of the interviews I did uh, in relation to Ryan Griffin's homecoming and they were played on Kerry today. What a magnificent evening that was, Monday evening, to go into Carseveen and to see the hero return. He got a guard escort from Farn 4 Airport all the way down and he was met with cheers and uh, bula bus and clapping all the way and uh, encouragement and delight and uh, if you've seen the atmosphere in Carseveen that evening, I haven't seen anything like it in, in Carseveen in a long, long time. If anything has topped it, maybe not. Um, it's, you know, it was reminiscent of when, you know, the Sam Maguire comes home, but this was even more special uh, again. And Ryan himself, an absolute showman. And he did everyone proud over in Berlin as well, and apparently stole the hearts over there. And uh, his smile uh, was being talked about all over the world. And uh, you could see he was some uh, character on the stage as well interacting with everyone there was a lot of speeches on the night um, and a wonderful job done by Elaine Corn, who emceed the whole thing from the Skellig Stars uh, Club and um, Dennis Daly uh, one of his coaches and chairperson of Skellig Stars spoke on the night and it was a real magical evening because it was a culmination I suppose of 20 years work that has gone into Skellig Stars all those volunteer hours and all Ryan's friends were there as well uh, cheering him on so Ryan another famous Waterville man another famous Sportsman from Waterville, and uh, maybe, maybe Ryan, there'll be a statue um, bet- between Mikko and Charlie Chaplin with yourself on it and you posing with your javelin. But congratulations once again, and I hope mom and dad are getting well needed rest after all this. And hello to Gavin, your brother, as well. But once again, congratulations and thanks a million, uh, Ryan, for bringing such enjoyment. Uh, to the county and such inspiration as well well done to all involved now that's all I have time for Uh, have a great weekend I'll be back again next Saturday with the Saturday Supplement we'll have our Creative Kingdom and lots more besides until then look after yourself and take care the Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly Hogan's Funeral Home Tralee